this is the third in the series we're doing on money. And you're like, well, we're talking about money a lot, but actually Jesus probably talked about money nearly more than anything else. I mean, it's like, is not, is not money important in your life? Come on, just don't be super spiritual, just be honest. Is not money important in your life? You know, and we're also in times of significant upheavals, significant challenges financially. You know, the, if you watch the news, which I do, you, you could be scared every day about what's going to happen next week, about whether it's your mortgage or your gas bill or, you know, your pension or on and on and on and on. And actually, but we live, we, we live as part of a, a different kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, an alternative kingdom that doesn't work the economics don't work the same, all right? And it's important that we get reminded of that and, and live that out, because it actually works, which is why we've been talking about this. And I also believe that finances are really key to what God wants to do next in our nation, in our church, because actually, I think there's a stirring for revival, but it needs, you need resource to do it. There are, you know, there are literally tens of thousands of people that need, need Jesus. But actually to pull that off is going to be amazing. We need 30 years of consistent, constant revival in our nation to see things turn around. And uh, we're, we're not forgotten. God's, we're on God's agenda. So I'm going to teach out of this version of the New Testament. So I'd encourage you to pull up your version but it's called the source, and I'm going to explain something that may, you may just start to switch off right now, but I'd encourage you to try and just listen to this little bit of Bible stuff that I'm going to say to you before we dive in, all right, because it's in, I think it's important. So this, this uh, Dr. A. Nyland did a Bible translation of the New Testament. So it's not a paraphrase, it's a translation, more or less word for word from the Greek, but this person... A, so lots of the Bible translations you're familiar with are done by a committee. So there's a bit of, the truth is there's a bit of horse trading going on, which is like, well, if you let that one in that's favorable to women in ministry, we want this one in that's a bit more favorable to hell and damnation type horse trading in the way that would, I'm serious now, that's actually the sort of thing that goes on. So there's a benefit when it's like a person, but you do also get their bent. The second and most important thing about this is a lot of the translations are based on relatively old lexicons. What I mean is when you translate from Greek, which is the la or any language, but you're translating from Greek into English, and it's ancient Greek into English, the important thing is to know what the word would have meant when it was used you know, nearly 2,000 years ago by Greeks who were chatting back then, right? So, that's, that's the key bit of information that fuels accurate translation of what was it. Just stay with it, stay with it. But what's happened since the 1970s is they found more and more parchments, documents, inscriptions with Greek words that are in our New Testament that expand and explode and inform what those words mean. And the truth is, and she talks about this, some of the words back the way when they were translating what we've got in our English is kind of the best guess alright, it's an informed guess by scholarly people, don't get me wrong who are praying over it but these new things are now drawn on in, in this 
So there's some moments of extreme clarity that you can't always get in other versions. So I've been really devouring this and enjoying it. And it's, it's a bit shocking what it says about money. So just kind of fasten your spiritual seatbelts for a moment. And uh, I'm going to dive into Acts 2.42. So it's helpful to have it on your phone or your, your, your version in front of you. Pull up Acts 2.42. And I'll try and find it in here too. Here we go, Acts. That kind of makes sense, what I just said. And I love that we constantly have people devoted to scholarship and translation. Because and, I, I, I am absolutely passionately convinced of the inspired nature of the, and the authority of the Word of God in its original form. So, which is why we work hard at reading commentaries and all this kind of stuff. Because we want to know what, you, what the re- writer really intended in the context of whatever, years ago. So Acts 2, did I say that? Acts 2.42. It might get more exciting in about one minute. So all these people have just got saved. There's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And all these people together. And verse 40 says, With many, many more words he gave evidence and encouraged them. He said, Be rescued and preserved from this crooked people, group of people, or this evil generation is probably what it says in yours. So then, those accepted this account were baptized, and on that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. It was instant church growth. Amazing, isn't it? And then it says this, they continued faithfully in the apostles' teaching, and what does it say in your translation? Next word? Fellowship. Fellowship. This word is partnership. In the breaking of bread, which we just did, and in prayers, fear came upon every person, and the apostles did lots of wonders, as well as miraculous signs. I just want to zero in, because what I want to talk about, my first point of two, is that, that giving our finance to apostolic ministry, giving our finance to church, isn't a donation. It's not a donation. It's actually a partnership. And so this word... This word, this word translated fellowship in your Bible and, and we kind of got, anybody familiar with like sort of the come by our sort of come idea of fellowship, you know, shared life together, which is how we kind of thought of that word. Actually that word has a different meaning. So again, go back 2,000 years to maybe a sleepy Greek fishing village and, and there's a guy called Aurelius Lucius Maybe he's a Roman or Greek, I'm not sure. Sounds a bit Roman, doesn't it? Aurelius Lucius. And he's got partners. And his partners, his fishing partners. And they want to expand their fishing business. And so they're in discussion. They're in discussion with Aurelius Sarapian, who owns uh, uh, the, the, the rights, the fishing rights to an area of sea. And Aurelius Lucius wants to lease that bit of seed to expand his fishing business, all right? So there's a, there's a bit of, there's a, bit of a, there's a tract of, of, a, of a parchment that says, Aurelius Lucius and his partners make an offer for the lease of the fishing area to Aurelius Sarapan and his partners. And the word partners there is the word fellowship. Interesting. 
In fact, more than interesting, because what it means is they are partners. Th these are business partners in a fishing business making an offer to lease some fishing territory from some other business a person, these business partners. So there's actually financial commitment involved in this, not just come by R and hold hands and have a lovely time. No, no, I'm not against fellowship, don't, don't, don't. But there's something more, there's more buy-in here because they're together and they're financially partnering as well as emotionally, spiritually partnering. Do you see? The word means that we're partners. They gave themselves, all these 3,000 people who are coming in the door, had something in their culture that says, we're going we're gonna to partner with you. We, we're, we're going into spiritual business together. That, I find that exciting, but also quite challenging. And, and you see it later on in, in, in verse 44 and 47. And I think Anne mentioned this, and maybe Jan in their excellent build-up and, and teaching on this where they all start to sell lands and properties and then bring it and lay it at the apostles' feet. And it then goes on and says there's no needy person amongst them. So you've got this incredible partnership with material wealth being contributed to the health and growth of what is basically an amazing local church. And it's seen as a partnership, not as a donation. I want to make a distinction like a donation, you know, you have people on the streets asking us to sign up to give to Red Cross. Or, you, you know, they come up to you, don't they? And they want your money. They want, they, they want you to donate, get your money and walk away. And really after that, it's nothing to do with you, really. But it gives them some resource to do the next thing. This is not like that. This is walking together in a partnership where there's actual, but there's finance involved as well. Does that make sense? Um, and just to further examples of this, Acts 19, I'll read this to you, <clears throat> verse 21. You know Paul and Timothy, Paul, my dear son Timothy and all, all that, if you read the New Testament. And Paul even writes two letters to Timothy uh, as his spiritual son and shares his heart with him. Here's a little, little extract from Acts 19, 21 to 22. It says, Paul sent two of his assistants who financially pro provided for him. Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia. Um, so Timothy's life begins alongside Paul in partnership, actually financially supporting him along the way. And then he's also involved in the ministry and all the rest of it. And that's kind of how the fight, you know, because we can read our New Testament and not think any money was involved anywhere. But you look at the life of Jesus, you look at the life of Paul, people were funding these people so that they could get on and do the things that they had to do. In fact, I'll mention this again in a minute, but there was so much money in, in the bag that Jesus had that Judas could steal from it and they still had enough to do everything they needed to do. And nobody, needs it, nobody noticed. Maybe Jesus spiritually discerned it, but do you see what I'm saying? There was, there was contributions People coming who had wealth and they were, and then there's one verse that says that there was these women that followed Jesus around and they supported him out of their personal wealth. And that personal wealth was getting funneled through Judas who was siphoning some off the top. 
So don't think, it's important not, I'm jumping ahead here, but it's not to think of Jesus and the disciples as a bunch of homeless guys preaching the gospel and healing the sick. That's not what's going on here. All right, so, so Paul has got a partnership with Timothy that involves financial support from Timothy to Paul. And I'm going to read you, go with me to Philippians 4, 15 to 19. Philippians 4. I mean, this, this is a verse that gets quoted tons by uh, believers. Philippians 4, and it's 15 to 19. How are we doing this? Is, is this exciting, informative? Scary? Um, so good. So, four, Philippians 4, I'll read it to you. So we're going to go from 15 to 19. <clears throat> I'm going to read it in this version. Now you Philippians know too. Now the Philippians... Now, now you Philippians know too that in the beginning of the good news, when I left Macedonia, no assembly went into partnership, that word again, with me, resulting in a bank account of donations and income. <laughs> so what he's saying is, uh, Philippian assemblies, the Philippian church was the only church that went into partnership financially with him, so this finance thing, partnership and finances together, except the Philippian church, and the result of their partnership was the creation of a bank account with donations and income flowing into it to support Paul doing whatever he was doing in the next place that he'd gone. Isn't that cool? Because even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent donations and income for my needs more than once or twice. And it's not that I'm looking for a gift, and listen to this, but I'm looking for the profit that multiplies to excess in your bank account. Interesting. I've received payment in full for everything and I have an overabundance. I've been fully supplied as I've welcomed from Epaphroditus the things you sent, the perfume fragrance of a sacrifice which I received and which pleased God. My God will fully supply all your needs from his wealth by means of his glorious anointing, by means of the glorious anointing of Jesus. <laughs> So can you see what he's saying here? If you partnered with me by sending me money, which meant we could create a bank account, which this was funneled into, which gave us income and support so we could do the next thing we were called to do. And he's saying, what I'm writing to do is thank you for doing that. Thank you for partnering with me. I'm not looking for your money, but I'm looking for what happens to you when you do this for me. And what happens to you is that profit goes into your bank account. So what we're, what we're looking at here, remember we're talking about partnership is bigger than just fellowship. That's our theme of this section. Partnership is bigger than fellowship. As you partner with, with the kingdom venture, yeah? As you partner with that, you're partnering with God's venture and he's saying, I'm going to, because you're partnering with me, the profits come back into your account, like in your business. 
Yeah? So if, you're, if, you, if you partner in a business and it goes well, then you start to share some of the dividends or the... Yeah? You know that, don't you? Yeah. This is the same, only it's a heavenly dynamic going on here. So Paul's not saying, I'm giving you your money. You know, I made a ton of money there in Thessalonica and I'm skimming some off the top to give you a bonus. It's, he's saying, no, you partnered with me in heaven's enterprise and, and the God of all bonuses is going to bless you because you've blessed me. And he's seeing it all as a piece. That this is the heaven's enterprise that they're partnering in. So the, fa- the good father in heaven is going to make sure that they don't decrease but they increase. This is kind of, a, to me anyway, a fresh way of looking at the whole thing. I don't know how to do it for you. Um, so I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for the profit that multiplies in excess into your bank account because you are partnering with this kingdom enterprise. Isn't that exciting? And and I want it to excite us. I want it to, because I'm looking around, there's faithful givers in this room. I want us to get excited about partnering with this kingdom enterprise because it's okay to have faith that he's going to bless your bank account on the back of it. The goal is not poverty. Actually, throughout Proverbs, poverty is seen as a curse, not as a blessing. And I know Anne touched on this. The, the, the curses of not obeying the law in the Old Testament, a lot of them are to do with health and poverty. Poverty is not a spiritual ambition of a believer, but sometimes the way that we've seen it in church life, you'd think that it would be. Um, so what's the point? I'll try and conclude this bit. Giving to ministry is part of the relational and spiritual connection. Love and friendship are not separate from financial contributions. When we join church, we join a business partnership whose business is seeing more of heaven on earth, the beautifying of the bride ready for the return of Jesus. All right, those, those are the business objectives of this enterprise is more of heaven on earth, the beautifying of the bride, so that we can hasten the return of Jesus. Attending and having friends is part of it, but partnering financially brings this partnership to fullness. This is full fellowship. And often if we're, if we're coy and you know, cautious, that it means financially, it means we're, we're not kind of fully yet in partnership-wise. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, right. The second thing I'm saying is giving isn't donating. It's not give it and walk away. We're partners, and I've emphasized that enough, I think. We're enablers of heaven's business on the earth. And the fruit of the enterprise is your fruit. That's the other thing to see here. Is because, so say you put money in a, in a, in a business. Say three or four of us went into business doing up houses, and, and it was my business, and, and, but your you'll put capital in, you know, so we put, I put 20 grand in, a couple of you put 10 grand, 10 grand in, and we buy a house, we do it up, and we sell it, and we make 30 grand on that, and we've made a deal at the beginning is that, because I've done all the work, I'll probably get the biggest share of the profit, but you put 10 grand each in, so you're going to get two grand each out of that, yeah? That house wouldn't be done up without your money. It would even be possible to happen. Okay, and that's what this is saying is the fruit of the enterprise of more of heaven on earth and beautifying the bride is shared by all the investors. Yeah. 
So the credit for it and the joy of it is all of ours. In some areas, some of us get to do the doing more, but we're all invested in it. Therefore, it's our fruit as well as the doer's fruit. Does that make sense? So like this church back now years ago heard from heaven and said, yeah, we're going to release Teresa and we're going to fund her so she can work alongside me. And we're going to release some of Andy's time so they can go do translocal stuff. The fruit of that is we have this thing called Kingdom Legacy now, seven or eight years later, which is just growing like crazy. I mean, the latest testimony is I got a message on Saturday morning saying, I just have someone from Africa in Kenya who we think would like to join. Uh, We've got to know them recently. Uh, Oh, and by the way, he inputs 100 churches in Kenya. (laughs) We don't know if that will or won't happen yet, so we're going to talk about that as a team. Uh, We had our biggest online connection last Thursday, was it? Thursday week ago with 42 leaders. We did a morning and an evening session. So we've got people in India, Australia, south of England, Essex, Scotland. You know, it's net. But you are partners in that, which is why it's important we tell you what the fruit is, because it's your fruit. It's not just our fruit, it's your fruit. Because we're partners in it. Because the elders, trustees and that all along have said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to partner with you and release some resource to do that. So rejoice, it's your fruit. Yeah, it's your fruit. Those things couldn't have happened without you. So it's your fruit as well as our fruit. Isn't that great? So that's the, the beauty of the partnership concept rather than I'm just donating and walking away it doesn't really affect me no you're invested literally and the third point we're making is that this results partnership results in financial returns to you just as it would if you'd invested in a business but God's the banker not the church or the apostle or the which I think is quite encouraging, given yeah. current economic situation. I don't think <laughs> heaven's economics are under threat. He still owns the cattle on a thousand hills, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's point one. <laughs> point two. So the point was, <laughs> giving to church and apostolic ministry isn't donating. And in fact, it's not giving to someone so they can build their empire for their own self-fulfillment, which is what subtly can start to happen and people react to us. No, this is about the kingdom of... We've got a partner with heaven for his glory. And if we're not doing that, then we really, really are all in trouble, including those of us that are leading, yeah? But it's to partner with a vision that is for the benefit of of the purpose of God as also the best purpose of, for the blessing of God's people. So God gives leaders vision, not so that they can all be aggrandized and fated for this awesome vision, but if you think about Moses, the vision he had was actually for the people. It was tough for him to lead them into it, but the goal was to get the people from a place of slavery to a great place of freedom, 
the vision God gave the leadership was to get the people to a better place. And I think that's how God works. And that's, that's the beneficial cycle of this sort of partnership that we're describing here. Is that right? Ah, point two. We need to stop wealth and prosperity being dirty words for Christians. And if you're turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, I'm going to do the last section. This has already been referred to in this series, uh, but I'm just going to read it. I want to give you like a, you know, like our films are rated, you're 15 and all the rest of it. I'm going to read you a verse that you, you'll know it's there, the verse, but what you're going to hear is like probably you need to be 18 and above. Not because it's naughty, in a, but because it's shocking. Are you ready? So this is 2 Corinthians and it's uh, chapter 9 and verse 6 on. But I say this to you that a person who sows sparingly will also harvest sparingly. For the person who sows liberally will also harvest liberally. Fine so far. Right, nothing. Still, still even 12 advisory on this. Probably, probably a you. Each person is to give as they resolve in their hearts with no sense of sadness or obligation. For God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to cause all kinds of gifts to overflow to you so that you will be, you ready? So that you will be independently wealthy. See what I mean? In all things at all times and we'll have much left over for every good work. Where did you get that from, Andy? I'm going to read it again and I'll tell you why it says that, okay? So remember we had the story of Aurelius and all the rest of it. Well, there's a story behind this. But let me just read it again. God has the power to cause all kinds of gifts to overflow to you so that you will be independently wealthy in all things at all times and will have much left over for every good work. So the reason it says that is there was a... How about you? We just kind of feel the Holy Spirit on this. You know, I can be on something and it's still uncomfortable. I think that's maybe why he's called the comforter, not just to sort of stroke us. It's just like, this is a bit awkward. Help us, Holy Spirit. <laughs> right, I've lost my place now. All right, independently wealthy. I'm, I'm coming to it. Thanks, thanks, Uli, for the prompt. <laughs> This was an important concept for the Greeks. I can't even pronounce this place. But there was a place, Thucydides, no, he was the author. Thucydides described Korkria. I'm sure you don't say any of these words like this, but <laughs> there's no one else here going <laughs> to... You might know. A place who needed no help from others, supplied itself, needed no imports and needed no aid. It was 
It was so well supplied, it, it didn't need wealth or support from elsewhere. All right, so it was independently wealthy. And that, that's the kind of how it was used, so that's pulled that into this translation. I mean, it does, it does like, independently wealthy, what? Are Christians supposed to be wealthy? Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Should we keep reading? It, it stays at this level now, so I've got you in. Just as the scripture says, he dispersed his gifts around to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. God, who fully supplies every single expense plus more to pay for the seed for the sower and to pay for all the expenses for bread for the eater, will supply all the expenses to pay for as well as multiply the seed you sow and make the crops of your righteousness grow. So this is what he's saying. He's saying God is going to supply every single expense plus more for the seed to sow, so that's the giving, and supply all the expenses for the bread to eat, so that's the bit you need to live. Every single expense plus more, and they've drawn that from, um, apparently in classical classical Greek times, um, Greek drama was unparalleled, it's unparalleled even to today, so the thing says. And it was a great, great honor to finance the drama in a city and take responsibility. Each play was backed by a private citizen known as a Corrigos. This person had to pay all the expenses of the play, equipment, training, the most expensive business imaginable. Private citizens would vie with each other for this honor. There were three major Athenian festivals, all of which were competitive. The winning Corrigos erected a monument to his victory. The expenses were considerable, including masks, dress, and props. One of those props was the eclimia, a device which was wheeled out onto stage to show an, in, uh, an internal scene. These mechanical items were not cheap. Sometimes the dress, too, was very expensive. For example, Aesiclius himself designed the Furies costumes in his play, Eumenides. I mean, this is all like amazing. Terrible masks and snakes entwined in hair. These were also very realistic. That the spe- so realistic that the spectators were said to... Uh, <coughs> sorry, I've lost my place. But it was said to have absolutely terrified. The actors always wore, wore elaborate masks and sometimes robes of brilliant colours and platform shoes called buskin to give height. Non-human characters were represented by even more <coughs> elaborate masks Often the success of the performance depended on the mask maker and the costumier who relied totally on the money of the Kurigus and they would spend all his money. Sometimes there were mute parts, often representing mutes or children. All these extras were known as additional expenses. Awesome, isn't it? So that, that word is deliberately taken by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Paul, the author of the letter, to say, my God is going to make sure that all your expenses and more are covered. He's going to cover the costs and the expenses of the giver so that the seeds are sow, but also so that there's bread to eat. And, and, I, and I read the story about the play because it just fills out the meaning is quite 
profound, isn't it? It's huge, what is being uh, said here. And that really helps us understand what the Holy Spirit was inspiring Paul to say in terms of what our expectations should be around this area of financing the kingdom. And it's important to note that the context is inside the generosity of heart to be a sower and the prosperity that is to come is so that you can meet every need at every time in every way. I don't think, I don't know, we probably know somebody who could do that, but I certainly, do you know when you see those needs, you think, I'd love to give that, and you think, I just can't, I want to give more, but I can't. It's getting to a place, resource-wise, where that never happens, is what it, what to say. So that you're able to give into every need. So the, pur- the purpose of the prosperity is in order to further fund the advance of the kingdom, to further sow into the activities uh, of this partnership that we were talking about in the first point. Yeah? But you also get to enjoy the bread to eat. So it's not like all aesthetic and, well, my money is only for the kingdom. No, there's this. He's saying he's going to meet all your expenses and more at the same time. And lots of us have testimonies of that actually happening as we've stepped out in this. And one of the reasons for teaching this is I believe God wants to expand our faith because this, this verse 8 says, God has the power to cause all kinds of gifts to overflow to you. And you know that declaration we've done for years about you know, gifts and surprises, um, pay rises, reduction, you know. That, that's trying to list all the different ways God can make finances come back to us so that we are in a place where we are well supplied for what we need and we have abundant extra so that we can partner with every need and every kingdom enterprise. Does that make sense? But I think it's shocking when you read independently wealthy. Just kind of get that inside our spirits. That to start, I, I was reading this on holiday, and I couldn't get away from it. I just kept every morning I was reading this. Is this is this right? You know, <laughs> although this is back in June, I was reading this. Yeah, no, this is this is right. This is, and Anne, I think, did a, the first in this series did a great job of of following how God prospered Abraham and Solomon and the Israelites, because what He wanted to do in that that era was displayed glory through an incredible temple. Yeah? Which took incredible resources. David saved for it. All these, all these heroes of our faith actually had incredible resources. And what this is saying is, I don't want to build a physical temple, but I do want to build a beautiful, glorious church to return to. I do want to see my kingdom get, get expanded and, and the gospel of the kingdom preached to all the earth, and then the end will come. So come on, we need to have this expectation of God prospering us so that we can advance the kingdom and see the church beautified and glorified. So stir ourselves up to believe for independent wealth. Anybody want to come forward for that one? And I think sometimes we're too afraid of getting it wrong. So Jan made a good point point last time of saying, you know, it's not money that's the root of all evil, it's the love of money. So we're not talking about loving money, we're talking about 
realizing the power of resources to get God's kingdom job done. See, that's different. And the joy of receiving his goodness in his supply to us. To be able to say, look, God did this for me. So let's try and lay, lay this point to, to, to bed. And then we're going to pray for impartation. Come on. Yeah, it's possible. It has, this, is, this is God-breathed scripture. It's not just giving us pie-in-the-sky stuff. This isn't just kind of to have a nice dream. It's because he wants to bless you, like he said to Abraham, he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So that every need of yours is met, so that every need of the kingdom expansion and the church beautification is met. So that you can be genuine, enthusiastic, generous partners in kingdom advance. All right? So have faith to prosper as you give. Believe that although you're giving away to God's enterprise, the fruit of this is going to be increase and not decrease. Because you're in a business partnership, you're not donating. You're not chucking pennies in a bucket that you'll never see again. You're investing in heavenly enterprise from which there will be a return. All right? That's a faith posture that I think we need to, to grow in. Number two, don't fear corruption by money. Welcome provision and prosperity. And just ask the Holy Spirit to keep your heart right as you prosper. All right? Yeah. If you fear it, it's, it's, it's a good way of repelling what God wants to bring to you. Because I've seen it in believers. Oh, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, you could possibly. Maybe amazing business opportunity. It goes all kinds of ways. More than any of us could imagine that God wants to prosper your life. You don't have to be an amazing business person for God to bless you in this way. All right, so do not fear. I think we err too much on being worried about gain and money. Let's just go after it and see what happens and get corrected on the way if we need it. Have an ambition to meet more needs than you currently do. Like, don't just sort of, yeah, yeah, well, I'll, I'll throw my, you know, my standing order in the, in the, uh, the internet bucket of church collections, which is what it is now. Just kind of have an ambition to go further, to stretch out, to do more, and see what God fills in as you do that. Um, as you give, believe this is a heartfelt expression of your partnership with the Lord again it's not a donation it's God my heart's in this I want to see you glorified I want to see the church beautified I want to see your kingdom come so as part of that I'm praying for it I'm praying for people I'm, I'm showing up I'm part of a church I'm also as part of that passion in my heart I give this finance that's all part of the same thing it's not separate it's not a separate little box uh, realize that and we haven't got time to get into it today but even when you're in a place of lack there's still an opportunity to give so this, this church the Corinthian church in the start of chapter 8 are commended for being generous even in their point of lack and now he's telling them they're going to be independently wealthy so but also 
grow in faith. So sometimes, you know, say you get a new believer, single mom, and you're like, you're supposed to tithe. They're like, what? You know, can't pay my gas bill that time. But start somewhere. I don't know, wherever you're at, start somewhere and then go the next bit. So, oh, I can only find 1%. Well, do that. Don't do nothing. And then God blesses you, something happens. And then you can do two, three, four, five, ten. And then, then you do, end up doing more, which is what, what we do. Not massively more, but we're not. But it, it, it gets easier as you prosper because for someone with lots of money, 10% is not as expensive as someone with less money. So it's important to grow into this, uh, but grow is the goal, not back off because it's like, well, I don't know how to do this. Well, you do. Remember the widow's mite. That, Jesus celebrated that more than all the riches the other guy was putting in because it was an act of faith out of the... So he's looking at what resources you have, not what resources you wish you had. All right? And there's no... And then another thing to do... I'm going to tell you another story for this point. A few years ago, some friends of ours, we went to visit them out in California and they picked us up from the airport. We knew they were kind of well off. And they picked us up from the airport in a brand new Range Rover, fancy schmancy, lovely car. They picked us up from the airport and we're driving along to their house and we're chatting and catching up and as we're getting closer to their house, uh, it says that we, we've built our own house uh, and it's lovely and uh, yeah, she, she was the, uh, virtually the architect of this thing and then he says, as he, we're getting closer, he says, um, I just hope you won't judge me when you see my house. I'm like, ooh. And I've got, no, of course we won't judge you. But, okay, internal world here. You're like, what am I going into here? So we swing down his private drive, driveway. Well, first of all, we go through his gated community security guard into this sort of gated community. Then we swing down his private driveway. And then you know, the garage door automatically opens. And guess what? There's another one of these Range Rovers. And there's an there's a, a open-top Ferrari California. And there's a future cars, you know what I'm talking about. And there's a, oh, it's the saloon version of a Porsche, four-seater four Porsche. And we drive in, and there's a slot for the car we're in. And it's like, yeah, I love my cars, and these are all paid for cash. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> I don't think I did. I think I managed just to go, I'll actually be really blessed with this family. Because they were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal givers. I mean, they... they, they yeah, they, 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 they're alive and still going. And phenomenal business people and phenomenal givers. Isn't that amazing? But it's so important. I think often you don't get kind of rich people in church because people around are like, mm. don't be suspicious of how they got there. Yeah, yeah. yeah? Don't judge people who have resources. We need them. Yeah. God wants 
them to be independently wealthy like he wants you. He wants lots of people who are able to give to every single need they see that he prompts them to contribute to and not have to walk by because they just can't do it this month. Yeah? Yeah. Which is where kind of most of us are at, really. Amazing, amazing. Thank God. Thank God. We need more of that, not less. And people like that need to not have to say to people like me, please don't judge me when you see what I've got. Giving is investing in God's heavenly kingdom coming on earth and beautifying his bride so that he can return for us all. That's what it is. It's a partnership in heaven's enterprise on the earth. And the outcome in that that partnership is that all kinds of financial and resource gifts are made to appear to you because you're in this Trinitarian family business. Heart, soul, finance, etc. So expect great things as you partner in the great things of heaven and give generously to it. Amen.